Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvroski. On this week's episode, Megan Walker joins us to talk about how we take our impact to the next level how we build a bridge to success and why we're holding ourselves back and we need permission to go out and take what we need. It's a great episode. We cover a ton of mindset strategy in this episode. So definitely check this one out for all things leadership development, high performance mindset coaching, Anything Leadership 2.0, including psychological safety, talent optimization, DEI, burnout, and more, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com and find it all there. And if you haven't yet, please hit subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform and share this podcast and this show with other leaders in your life. Everyone, listen this episode, there is a ton of super valuable information, which your mindset affects your future results. So definitely, you're going to want to listen to this one and take some notes. Everybody, I appreciate you spending your time with us. Thank you so much. And here's the episode with Megan Walker. We are back. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski, and as always, we have our in-house maverick, the yin to my yang, Susan Hobson. Susan, how are you? I am excellent and firing on all cylinders. It's Friday. It's snowing outside. I can't help but be excited about that because I'm a winter sport athlete, as we know. And I'm especially excited because the guest that we have today, I have been dying to share her with our peeps for some time. So this is kind of a moment. How about you, sir? No, we're rolling today. And obviously, we always start off with a quote. Oh, yeah. And so I got a quote here from Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Buddhist master. And he says, do not lose yourself in the past. Do not lose yourself in the future. Do not get caught in your anger, worries, or fears. Come back to the present moment and touch life deeply. This is mindfulness. (laughs) I never thought I'd hear you sharing a quote on mindfulness with our crowd. I kind of feel like that's the moment too, I got to say. It's been obviously a long journey to get here and we've always talked a lot about just getting into that present moment and that's where I've really been lately is for me and for a lot of people out there there's a ton of the deeper self work to even open yourself up to the possibility of being in the here and now. Uh And that will heal a lot of the, both the anxiety of the future and the depression of the past. And so if you're out there and you can't meditate, I was that guy too. 
if you're out there and you have anxieties about what's going to happen tomorrow and you obsess literally about what you have to do next, which I did and is the only reason why I made it through MIT, um, yeah. I am you and you can heal yourself to find peace in this moment today. So with preach, that, Rob, preach. With that, yeah, 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 I know. Eh? <laughs> with that, we have an incredibly special guest. We have Megan Walker, who's the CEO at Anthropology Labs, the CEO at Clinician Business Labs, and the co-founder of Health Hives. Megan, rocking the Shure microphone. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. No, we're excited to have you. Now, Megan, for everyone out there who's new to you, can you tell us about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a self-described anthropologist, uh, which is someone who hangs out at the intersection of entrepreneurship, mindset, and health optimization. And I am my background in doing that and really being interested in this, in this confluence of ideas is I'm a naturopathic doctor. I worked for over a decade with with some of you know Canada's most elite entrepreneurs and thinkers, um, and I got really fascinated with with their mindset and their dedication to health and their their simultaneous ability to um, pursue this optimization of of life. And uh, I leaned really deeply into that. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. I am a mom of three, and and naturopathic medicine and health kind of overlapped my entrepreneurial journey. So I started my first business at the age of 17 and grew it and realized I'm highly unemployable. And I, I don't think I'd ever be able to work. Like literally no one could hire me um, at this point in my life. Um, really recognized early on the power of, of being able to leverage my time and scale my impact. Um, and so have been have been really exploring and creating uh, businesses and opportunities at that intersection of, of mindset, entrepreneurship, and uh, health for the better part of the last 10 years. And we, we got to ask, so behind Megan, there's a neon sign that says impact. So can you tell us about that? Like, what are you out there to impact? Right. So, you know, I... I love this word because I just there's like the, it, there's no debate around what it uh, around what it means. And so, you know, I have the the privilege of of now spending the majority of my time working with clinicians to help them scale their influence in the world. And that really emerged for me uh, because I was in my practice and I was helping some of my colleagues optimize their business because I just kind of took it for granted that I, I that I had this the skill set to scale what it is that I wanted to do. And I kind of looked around and realized, like, I want to put this system of medicine in the hands of millions of people. And while I'm sitting in this in this office working one on one with my patients, although I'm like moving the needle in their health, I wasn't actually moving the needle on my mission, which was to disseminate the system of uh, medicine. And so I got really clear on my mission and my dedication to my mission, which means the method in which that happened. Sorry, I hit the shore mic and it threw things off. The method in which that happened could be could change and be flexible. And so for me, it was really getting clear on the impact that I wanted to have. Um, and we actually started a, a live event four years ago called Impact Lives. Um, so it's a business development event for practitioners. And I'm not sure when this episode is going to hit uh, hit the airwaves, but I'll just share here. We're going to make a transition uh, in my podcast 
Um, it's called the Anthropology Podcast, and we're gonna we're gonna be sh- changing the name. It's gonna start to include the word uh, impact. In terms of that next evolution, I want to have conversations with people around how they get clear on their capacity for influence and and positive change in the in the world. I want to help them get clear on how they can uh, leave a legacy of impact, and so that's where we're gonna have more of those conversations happening. Woo! Now you see why I'm so excited to get her on the mic riffing with us. You know, you're talking about how impact is this beautiful word that you don't even have to define because people just really understand what that means and what that's all about. And we talk a lot about this here at the Leadership Launchpad Project, right? It's all about this whole new school, you know, progressive style of leadership we call Leadership 2.0, which is really about setting our leaders up so that they can get out into the world and play their biggest impact games. So that's actually something that we always like to start with, with our guests is actually getting into alignment in regards to what leadership even means. I feel like we were talking to another guest there uh, this morning and we were really riffing on just what a transformation, even in the last couple of years we've gone through with this whole concept of leadership itself. So I got to ask, what does leadership mean to you? Well, it's such a, it's such a great question. And I was, I was kind of reflecting on this. I, I mean, knowing we were going to talk about leadership, I was like, what does, what does leadership mean to, uh, to me? And I, I think in some ways it depends on the context in which we are showing up as leaders. And so, you know, I have, I have moments where I actually have to lead myself. I have to get really clear on what my personal goal is or my personal mission so that I can, I can realign myself and my actions towards that that goal. Sometimes that means I create compassion for myself and space for for recovery. Um, it really it it is the wisdom I think to acknowledge what is needed in a given moment, but still be willing to put that that foot forward. And so I think that that manifests differently when I'm I'm needing to lead myself. It manifests differently when I'm needing to uh, lead my kids and my family and showing up as a leader there. And then, and then how I show up uh, as a leader in the world and the context right now and the leadership that I believe is required in the world right now. And the one that I I'm, I'm stepping into um, is really that of building bridges. And so for me, leadership in this moment and the confluence of my skill set is that I'm really interested in in building bridges and creating frameworks for everyone to step into that next stage of their life. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of circulating ideas and and a lot of people are caught in that fight or flight moment and they're somewhat they're somewhat paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the skills I can bring to the table in certain realms and certainly within health is to help people. Um, have access to frameworks for thinking about moving into that future state. So it is less dependent on fear and more focused on possibility. And that kind of, that's kind of where I tend to gravitate uh, as a leader is that, that, uh, that bridging and making it an accessible transition for people. So when you talk about transitions and like where people are and where they want to go, like, can you, walk us through how does that process work or like what's the future state that you're teaching people to attain? Yeah, we, well, I, I guess the, the future state is, is always going to be self-defined by that, by that individual. 
I think there's there's lots of ways we can get we can move forward. We can be yanked forward. We can just move with the flow of the masses because that's what's happening and the, and the river is taking us that way. Or we can have an opportunity to intentionally set the journey and set the path ahead. And, and when I'm leading people, what I want to give them the option to have is to set their own path forward, to not have to flow with the river, to not have to be yanked. To me, one of the ultimate manifestations of freedom is having options, mm-hmm. financial options, career options. When I work with, with individuals to strategize on their business, I'm really clear in my bias. My bias will always be to give you multiple options in the future. So you're not pigeonholed into just doing things one way. I want them to have that freedom and flexibility. And so for me as a leader, I want to give people the opportunity and the permission to chart their own path and to really create a framework that enables them to do that, uh, to do that without fear. Did that answer, answer your question? A hundred percent. But I want, I want to go deeper with that because you talked about something there that I think might catch people sideways if they don't know Meg and they haven't heard a riff on this before, but this whole concept of needing permission to even contemplate the possibilities of the future and that future ideal state that they might want to consider moving in the direction of why, oh, why do you think that we need permission? We don't. We don't need permission. So it's, it's very, it's very interesting the way I'm, I'm fascinated by adults. I'm fascinated by the way we, we make decisions and be both girl. Right. And I'm just, I'm just very interested in us as a, as an entity. And so one of the observations that I have seen in those individuals who are, I'm going to just say stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, or not moving with maybe the momentum they want into what we'll say is their ideal version of life. One of the commonalities I've noted with this, this group of adults is they're waiting for permission to move mm-hmm. into that state. I find it slightly more often in women than men. And I think that I suspect that that's partly how we are socialized. I've spoken about this at mm-hmm. length on my, on my podcast, but to me, this notion of permission uh, is a massive detriment. It speaks to a few things. One, I think at times we're scared to take full ownership and responsibility for our future. So mm-hmm. we we tend to um, we we tend to diversify that risk across a few different people. Well, ask them permission, and then permission, and then permission. So if it doesn't quite work out, like we're all to blame for it. So there's a there's mm-hmm. an ownership of stepping into that uh, into that future state. I think we've been rewarded for much of our life to ask permission. May I please mm-hmm. speak? May I, I don't know if people see the video, but I'm like putting my hand up, right? Mm-hmm. So we're rewarded for constantly being polite and asking if we can take that next step. School has trained us mm-hmm. all the way through. We ask permission. We're told exactly how to succeed. And then we get out in the real world and it's a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of look around, not knowing how to navigate that next, uh, that next step. Um, And one of the ways that I see this manifest all the time is that in individuals in their business, I kind of go, well, well, why aren't, why aren't you moving forward? Or why aren't you, why aren't you, you know, jumping into that investment or, or putting money back into your business? 
And they kind of look around and they go, well, you know, I, I just have to talk to my partner about that first, or I'm just, let me just ring my accountant one more time. Or, you know what? My parents are reluctant. I, if I hear one more 45 year old tell me that their parents aren't exactly sure this is the right choice for them moving <laughs> forward in their business. I'd like, I'm, I'm, I'm it's losing so composure funny. as a leader. And so yeah. I refer to all of this as this idea of self-actualization, which I believe cool. is as a developmental milestone as an entrepreneur, what is it that you need to know or feel confident in so that mm-hmm. you can take ownership and make decisions in your life and in your business? This is, this to me is the gateway to mm-hmm. in, empowered adulting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we just need to, we just need to stop and acknowledge what skills do I need? What work do I need to do? What coaches or therapists do I need to hang out with so that mm-hmm. I am able to make these self-authorized decisions? I think it is it's night and day what you can do in terms of moving closer to impact um, when you start working on that skill. And I'll tell you what that was for me. Yeah. And I talked a lot about this with my therapist and she says, one of the big components of people with trauma is they do not have, they do not feel like they have control. Uh And so throughout our work together, she would say to me, she's like, Rob, you know, you can stop working with me if you want. And it wasn't like I ever considered it. It was just like she would continue to give me permission to do that as a way of giving control to me. But really what I discovered very deep into the self-work was I had a belief that I had never been accepted by my dad And then also that I had a belief that I didn't accept myself. And what I, like, I'm 33. Um, I haven't lived with my parents in, I don't know, since I was like 20 something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I've been on my own. I have my own money. Like, I work jobs. Like, I don't, it's not like I'm like dependent on them for anything. But it's like, there was a belief that was sitting there that was like, if you keep your engineering job and you make certain amount of stable money, your dad will accept you. But as you do the deeper work and you uncover this belief and you heal the trauma, and then you uncover that a lot of what I believed about money was about acceptance, both from him and myself, as you heal that, that allows you to make the transition is what I did, um, where I just walked away away from my engineering job to do this. And I didn't, we didn't have any contracts, we didn't have anything. And now actually, I thought about the other day, I think someone asked me, they're like, would you ever go back? And I was like, I couldn't even think of like, I was like, there's no way. <laughs> like, I was Hell like, no. I can't even imagine going back to doing that now. And yet I did it for over 10 years. Uh-huh. And the crazy part is, Megan, is throughout that 10 years, I knew it was killing me. Uh-huh. I knew that I would get up and I would go to work and I would sit in my trauma and hurt. And yet I didn't know how to give myself permission to leave. And that's where we ended the last podcast with the Rumi quote, where Uh he says, why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? 
I didn't know I was in prison. I didn't know what those bars were for me. And I didn't know there was a door. I thought I had to switch jobs every two years for the rest of my life because that's the only way I could keep enough novelty in it to to basically sustain. So long answer short, it's it's an incredible healing journey. I mean, obviously some people more than others, but a lot of it is understanding our own beliefs and our own understanding of ourselves and healing that in Uh order to give yourself or be able to even give yourself permission to do what you want to do. 100, 110%. And it's, you know, I really think it is like, that's part of the privilege of entrepreneurship as it tends to accelerate these pieces. Uh And one thing I think we've universally not, had the opportunity to be exposed to is, is this, it's just creating space to set intention for our life. Everything is so like finish school, go to university, get a job, do it's so, it's so doing oriented that we don't, uh-huh. we don't chart what that, that course looks like. And I'm just finishing up my book right now. And the book's called impact medicine and the I stands for intention. So it's an acronym of, of like how you build that model of, of business. And it's so fascinating to me within the practitioners that I work with, I would say maybe less than 10% of them could actually sit down and tell me, here's what I want to earn. Here's how I want to retire. Here's what I want my philanthropic version of myself to look like. Here's the breadth of impact that I want to have in my business. This is the intentionality around how I want to raise my kids. We all could create the space to do that. But you know, this notion of permission, I think actually starts in some cases with us as parents saying, honey, like there's always the next step you can take. What I want for you is to just also have the space to do it with in, with intention in a manner that is in alignment uh, for you. I, I feel like as parents, if there's one piece of permission we give our kids, it's that I'll be here to support you, but you get to create your own your own destiny. I feel like that would heal in an instant so much childhood trauma that <laughs> the adults are carrying around with them. You just need enough trauma to to get them into Ivy League schools, right? <laughs> just enough trauma. Who are you talking about? Susan I and I no- can attest to both of those. Oh, <laughs> what you're talking about, sir? <laughs> that pain into to purpose, baby. This is where I want to go next. Like, it's so interesting. We're talking about the self-authorization thing. This is something we really connected on, like, over a decade ago, right? When we were seeing these entrepreneurs come through our doors or these people come, these high achievers come through our door. And it's like, it's, it was as if they didn't realize that they were adults. You know, I always say you're not an adult until you reach self-authorization. Like that's the fundamental difference between kids and adults. But obviously that's a huge gap. We've been riffing on that, but I'm curious to hear from you in terms of what you're seeing out in the world right now, especially given the context of the world right now, you know, this last two years has been incredibly disruptive for our leaders and at you know on our show we believe that that adversity is just the opportunity for growth dressed up in disguise as adversity right so i'm just curious about what you're seeing out there in terms of some of these gaps and what are our entrepreneurs and leaders doing about these gaps that that are going on that are, have been exposed because of the disruption itself 
Yeah. I mean, I talk openly about the fact that I feel like there's a strong deficit of leadership in the world. We, we talk about this, I think every time we have an opportunity to sit down Mm -hmm. uh, with one another, but I think we have a, of a world right now that in some ways rewards the individual with the largest, largest voice and the most polarizing message. The algorithm is set up to give them a platform. Uh-huh. And I think what happens when that takes place over and over again is it trains it trains the adults in training that the way to lead and the way to have int- a- attention for your ideas is to be loud and polarizing. Uh-huh. And I, I suspect that this is a vanity metric of leadership that you know you can gain a hundred thousand followers in a year by being, um, I'm not sure what language I can use on this, but uh, you know, any language you divisive. want, you, like you're an asshole, right? Like I go down Twitter and I'm like, Oh, the energy, the, like the low vibe that I'm getting from quote unquote leaders or these people who have these, these voices. And so, um, you know, I think one of the gaps right now is, is how do you have a voice? How do you put your words out there in a really powerful way, but in a manner that doesn't alienate the people you actually want to influence. So mm-hmm. every time I hear this polarization, these polarizing messages, we see this in world leaders, we see this in micro influencers. So this is across across the board. All they're doing is reinforcing to the people who already believe what they believe that they're all right. Mm-hmm. We're not there's no language, there's no attempt, there's no empathy for conversing with people who aren't necessarily quite there. There's no bridges being built. You're either with us or you're against us. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's divisive leadership. I think it's all leadership. Some leadership is good and some leadership leaves people, uh, leaves people in the dust. And I think mm-hmm. we have a lot of in the dust leadership uh, happening in the world right now because they're, they're being, their actions are being reinforced by vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. So what do we do about that? Because I think this is obviously why we started this damn show in the first place at the start of all this disruption is like, we obviously see all of that play out very heavily in corporate, right? In terms of the the leaders that we work with and the organizations that we're lucky enough to impact. But yeah, I think this has been some of what has been dislodged. I kind of feel like that's been one of the biggest silver linings that I see in all of this is that it's just done this wonderful job of exposing all the cracks in our leadership foundation. So how do we build this bridge? This is obviously what, what the mission that we're on here at this show, but I got to ask while I have you in studio with us, what do we do? Where do we begin? Okay. So that's a big question, Susan, because the world is crumbling under this other form of leadership. <laughs> and if I had, like, if I had the answer, um, you know, I think that, you know, it's back to this idea of, of permission. I think it's this idea of giving the average person the, the power and the space to share their ideas and to be able to speak up mm-hmm. against what they view as being inadequate mm-hmm. um, or, or, or problematic. I'm deeply inspired watching rallies of people in Moscow, in Russia right now, standing up to say, we, we want peace. We don't want war. That's a, that is an incredibly oppressive, uh, situation and takes an, an, a, a tremendous amount of courage for people to stand up and use their voice in their way, notwithstanding the complexity of geopolitical situations. Mm-hmm. This is what I mean. We can say working and we always refer to them as where our office was the towers downtown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is, there is great interpersonal 
complexity to what happens within the organizations within those those towers. Everyday leadership is being able to know that you have the permission to stand up for that or not just fight against it, but just to share an alternative perspective, to share an alternative way of finding a solution, to lending your voice to a more equitable outcome. This idea of just simply lending lending your voice, not not always loudly, not by disparaging your opponent, not through bullying, but through through solution-oriented conversations. There's nothing that disarms a bully faster than you sitting at a table across from them and saying, I have a really powerful solution that I think actually could get us all to the outcome we're looking for. Like the room, the room will stop dead when mm-hmm. you open your conversation that way. So coming at it from a different angle, giving yourself that permission, but more than anything, it's actually, it's actually just stepping into your own state of courage mm-hmm. to enter the conversation from a place of solution, not oppositional, not oppositional dialogue. I think there's so much oppositional dialogue. We're just like, we're doing this and the world's mm-hmm. happening over there, mm-hmm. but like really, really be mindfully contributing solutions. Mm-hmm. And that's actually like an element of Timothy Clark's definition for psych safety, right? It's mm-hmm. the ability to feel like you can challenge status quo without the fear of punishment, rejection and punishment. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's for, for a lot of leaders out there, like fostering an environment where that's yes. possible is so incredibly powerful for in- innovation, for well-being, for communication, for all these elements that you want in your business. And so, you know, it's it's starting with those elements of trust and psych safety that are obviously foundational for high performance. Mm-hmm. I think too, sometimes we, sometimes the brave solution is also just walking away. And so there's, there's a, there's a lot of us who have been in places in our career where the leaders around us are so antagonistic to our own growth contribution and health that sometimes the most courageous thing to do is actually to say, peace out. Like I'm not giving up a lifetime of health and happiness for this. And you don't always have to speak up for the group. Sometimes you actually just have to speak up and set the boundary uh, for yourself. Um, And I, I, in my own career, working with so many of these entrepreneurs and, and executives, similar audience to who you speak to, that's always one of my questions is like, does your work make you happy? Like, does it fulfill your purpose? And then, mm-hmm. you know, when people look at me, they're like, my work is killing me. <laughs> and yeah. like, we have a really frank conversation because all the nutraceuticals and all the health plans and all the diets and all the red lights and all the cold plunges in the world cannot trump you going and spending your life building another organization's dream at the expense of who you are. Mm-hmm. And so it's back to that personal leadership. Sometimes the best thing we do as a leader is actually acknowledge that this is out of alignment with who I am as an individual and my value system. And, and you gracefully step out and step away from that. And it's funny, right, Megan, I wanted to actually start off today talking about a little bit about that is I've seen so much lately where I've been one-on-one with leaders where I see 
the pain here or the frustration or the anger here. And then I hear the discussion from the, and the, the frontal lobe, um, basically like, Hey, no, it's okay. <laughs> or Justifying, or, you know, justifying and doing all these things. And I'm like, mm -hmm. this is where I want to start people off mm -hmm. is where are you trying to justify or you should feel this way or you should do this or you should do that. And yet it doesn't feel right for you. That's the place to start digging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The alignment, the alignment, right? Really? The, the incongruency. <laughs> I feel like that's like, obviously why we're seeing this great resignation thing play out in the world. It is yeah. not a coincidence folks that we got sent home and told to stay there in our bunkers. And then all of a sudden we see half the workforce walking out the damn virtual <laughs> door and not looking back over their shoulder. Is this, it goes right back to what you just said. I know we love to ask our executives down in the financial district all the time, are you happy? And they look at us sideways like, why? Why does that matter? I'll be happy when I retire. Next question. Yeah. Happiness when syndrome, right? But I feel like, again, we're talking about some of the biggest blessings kind of buried in all of this adversity. And I think that that has been one of the best, again, silver linings that I've seen is that people are prioritizing their happiness finally, right? Or their quality of life finally. I mean, this is what we've been looking at, right? Are the stats in regards to what especially Gen Zs and millennials are really looking for when they're we're walking towards their future employment opportunities. They want to work for leaders who understand the value of work-life balance or work-life integration, right. as you know, we like to say. Um, but that value, health, well-being, like they have mental health support and resources embedded in their, their culture, right? They, they have development opportunities, growth opportunities. Like this is some of what I think we need to riff on next, right? It is just some of what all of this disruption has dislodged and what that's going to mean in terms of the future of this thing called work. Totally. And just what to throw saying? a stat, and then I'll let Megan oh. take it off. So the bureau, Meg doesn't know, but he's the stat guy. So we've yeah. got to back that up with the proof and the evidence. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true, right? So twelve, the Bureau of Labor Statistics just released a stat that 12 and a half million Americans left their jobs in the last three months. And that is the highest on record since they started tracking that statistic in the year 2000. Jeez. So people are not only thinking they're walking with their feet out the door. And these are voluntary quits. So it's not like you're getting fired or laid off or any of these things. It's IA quit and I'm either going to another job or I'm just out the door. Now, Megan, so let's go there, right? Like, what are you seeing and what do you think is the future of leadership? These are big questions. That's how we do. acknowledge that. <laughs> I think that we have this thing happening in the world right now where, you know, to use an example from this week, there is a, a political party here in Ontario that has said, you know what, we're going to push that 
in the spirit of work-life balance, when we come into power after the next election, we are going to push for a four-hour work week, and we are going to hold employers accountable to not emailing you after work. And we are we are going to impose through policy uh, work-life balance. And to me right there is like the challenge of leadership. Mm-hmm. We're all entrepreneurs. There are days where we get to book off Thursday and Friday and go hang out at a lake and mm-hmm. enjoy the the balance and the fruits of our labor. And there are other days where we are up at 5 a.m. and we go to bed at one because we have something we're putting out into the world that we're proud of and we're excited for. And we know that the balance will swing the next way the next week. I suspect as we speak to the millennials and the Gen Z, and frankly, anyone who's gotten really clear on the things they want out of life, that it is equally important for us as leaders to be transparent about what is going to be required for us to hit the outcome and the mission that we are on as an organization or as a as a business. And so when I when I build a business or when I work with a practitioner, the the place I start is what has to be true for me to have this outcome and this outcome at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this is a question I would really encourage leaders to ask their teams and their employees, what has to be true in how we run our business so you can have your version of flexibility and balance and we can still achieve those outcomes. As a leader, I want to hear your solutions to that. I don't want to impose the policy upon you. I want this to be something that we actually build out together, but I want to be very transparent that these are the outcomes that we are looking to achieve So if you can't hold space for those two things at the same time, I also will graciously provide you with the opportunity to move to a different organization because we might not be right for you. Mm -hmm. That is the type of bridging leadership Mm -hmm. that I think that uh, we need to see more of. It is okay if it's not the right uh, place of employment for you because, and it's okay if entrepreneurship is not, is not the path for you. That's not always an easy, it's not always an easy route either. But I think we, we as leaders need to be slightly more transparent about the outcome we're trying to achieve and more open to the feedback and the different pathways to getting to that outcome that our team can contribute towards. So it's, it's listening and leading at the same time. I don't think you can separate the two. Amen, sister, preach, because I think that goes right back to what Mr. Rob was riffing on a second ago, right? I think that there's (laughs) stock photography is not going to work, guys. Like If you're out there as a leader and you think that you can just mandate certain policies that are going to get everybody into alignment and everybody into work-life integration, getting their basic human needs met, this is falling on some deaf ears, right? Because that's what psych safety requires. A very baseline of psych safety is you need to, you know, see your people. You need to lean in and actually like hear them out and get to really understand what they're all about, not just in the role that they're there to play, but holistically. There's also, I just want to throw on this. There's also a, a management of expectations that I think leaders have to compassionately engage in at the same time. And so part of that is, is really being clear on what the outcome and expectations are of the people that you work with. So it's easy to get really frustrated when they're not towing, towing the line. But I, I think it's also responsibility of leadership to clearly and compassionately communicate those, those expectations. And one of the things I feel we are up against 
with some of the younger generations of workforce is this is, and I'm, I'm included, like I'm an Amazon prime member. I really quite enjoy instant gratification. I remember as a kid, we'd get those scholastic book orders Oh yeah. and I never wanted to do it. Cause I was like, I don't want to wait two weeks for it. The excitement and dopamine is gone by then. This does not serve my physiology. I didn't have the language to describe it. Yeah. I had no interest in ordering books. Cause I was like, I like things to happen right now. And we have, we do have a generation of individuals who are now adults who are so used to the dopamine influence of instant gratification that we need to acknowledge that that is a physiological need of theirs, but we need to manage the expectations of Mm -hmm. how we can honor that piece, but also achieve our outcomes because to lead from a place of reactivity towards a cohort of individuals whose neurochemistry requires that level of immediate gratification, you're also not ever going to get anything done. Uh -uh. And so it's back to this, it's back to this transparency, uh, transparency piece in expectation, um, because we have, we have to balance that, that piece as well. I just had to throw that in there because that instant gratification piece is like, it is so frustrating as leaders. And, you know, I listen to some of my friends in corporate and they're like, Oh, the, my millennials. And I was like, okay, just like, hang on a sec. He, like, just attend to their, their physiology. Like they literally don't go 12 hours without getting anything they want. And sometimes you just actually have to put in the hard work and you have to show up and you have to, you have to design reward systems mm-hmm. that, that enable you to feel good about the, the crumbs of achievement, not the whole loaf of bread every single day. That is a new responsibility of uh, leadership, but I think it just starts with communication. I think it's why you're talking about building a bridge and what, what I love about that, right. Is that you're actually talking, you, you use the word empathy, but you're actually talking about using the, the empathy to get across the bridge and connect with their experience, see them, hear them, understand what they're all about. Mm-hmm. But then it creates that rapport when you see and you hear take time to hear your people out with the purpose of understanding what it is that they need, not just to give them everything that they think that they need, but so that you can open up a conversation or dialogue in regards to how that is actually going to work or be possible as it pertains to this future state that you're trying to lead them towards. Cause that's where we started with this whole thing. Right. And that takes so much patience. Yeah. Like I failed that as a parent <laughs> this morning, right? Yeah. I, like I was just like, it, it was not strong leadership that existed in our house, <laughs> in our house this morning. Um, and we can't quite pull those tantrums when we're in a professional, we're, we're also human, yeah. right? But it, it does, it takes a ton of, it takes a ton of patience. And I say to my, my family, like I can tell them when I'm, I'm in a mood or I need to restore and recover. Cause for me, the internal like alarm system is when the whole world is an idiot. Like everyone isn't smart and everyone can't drive and everyone's running late and walking too slow. Like that, that is on me. That is me firing on all the wrong, all the wrong cylinders. And the same thing for leaders. Like Mm -hmm. if you're sitting in your office and you're like, this whole company is dumb. Like no one gets it. No one gets me in my vision. That's on you. And so like book your vacation, sit in your sauna, <laughs> do what you need to do to, uh, to recover your, your system. Um, but sometimes being an effective leader also means you're not going to move quite at the pace you would if you were doing it entirely on your own. That's what I want to go with you, Megan. And I know obviously your natural path. And I always speak, I have a few natural path friends and I always speak of it as more of the preventive 
medicine side versus the reactive medicine side, which is our typical medical system, right? I'm sick, therefore I go to the doctor. Right. Like when we talk about rest and recovery, and I know I just triggered half our audience because they're they're high achievers that literally it's uncomfortable in the body to rest. Like Mm -hmm. where should people be at? Like what are some of the things that people should do to rest and recover? I just want to acknowledge, first of all, how hard that is. I had a team member who worked with me and he would sometimes say, Megan, do you think maybe you just need to schedule more self-care? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. I don't like, I'm doing a lot of stuff right now. I will do the self-care. It used to drive me, it used to drive me crazy. So I want, like, I want to acknowledge that even the naturopathic doctor, like, we, we all get caught in that piece, right? So we need to get called mm-hmm. out on our things. And in mm-hmm. one of the approaches I would really take with my, with my clients who, as I mentioned, were entrepreneurs, they would come to me and they'd say, I've seen other naturopaths. They told me that my career choice is deleterious to my health and I should look at a new path. I came to see you because I heard that you don't feel that way. And I said, listen, like I will keep you alive for the next three months while you're in this, this series A round. And then you owe me three months of recovery. And I think when we're in an achievement zone, when we are in a training zone, you know, this as an athlete, Susan, the growth does not happen while you are out doing the intense workout. The growth happens when you go to bed that night, the growth Mm -hmm. happens when you eat the healthy food, the growth actually happens on the rest day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, entrepreneurship, business achievement, like outcome, all of that is amazing. There's huge opportunities for us to, to grow and evolve as humans simultaneous to that, that action. But for us to play the long game, for us to win at the marathon, not just at the sprint, it is going to require, this is like high intensity interval training. We go uh-huh. and we recover. Uh-huh. And so I think the first piece in that is really acknowledging as a, as a, in your own state of self-leadership, uh-huh. there is no one immune to needing to, re- there is not a single, I'm just going to say this one more time. There's no human on earth who is immune to needing that state of rest. Some of us can push longer before that cup implodes. No one is immune to it. So the sooner you recognize that need for self-restoration, the longer you are going to be able to keep going. And that's that can be really simple things. One of the easiest things for, for entrepreneurs or high achievers to do is actually set a consistent routine. Uh-huh. Go to bed consistently and get up consistently. It's not taking stuff, not drinking more water. It's not going to the gym. It's actually creating a boundaries around the bookends uh, of your day, because that helps to set that circadian rhythm that actually helps to set that internal hormonal environment. If that's all you can do, I would start there. I would also really encourage people like that hydration piece is massive. Like have your two and a half liters of water a day away from food, ensure that you're lubricating that system put greens into your life because the more stressed you are, the more acidic you become, the more prone to inflammation that you become and get up, get up and move around. I'm at my, I'm at my uh, stand-up desk right now. I'm not standing <laughs> up and I'm very relieved that I didn't hit the number two setting because it would have gone up really fast, but like actually just stand up and move. So we actually have circulation in our body. independent of advanced maneuvers. There's certain prerequisites that need to be in place. And those would be the fundamentals uh, that you, they just, they have, they have to be there in order for the rest to work. I the foundations. That. And I actually got a great quote 
for. No, I don't even know you, Robin. I'm like, I knew Rob was going to have a quote there. It's so good. And so this one is from Gabor Mate, and we've had him on the show before. We love him. He's my favorite addictions and trauma expert out there. And to me, this is the reason why we as high achievers struggle with rest. And so he says, for those habituated to high levels of internal stress since early childhood, it is the absence of stress that creates unease, evoking boredom and a sense of meaninglessness. Uh-huh. And I know that's how I felt. Yeah. And I know that a lot of our high achievers out there are going to resonate with this quote. And when we talk about internal stress from childhood, like there's extremes, obviously, where, you know, your house was like chaos and all these things. But it can be something for the people who are going to justify with their with their Yeah, yeah, yeah. Job. It's internal stress for you as a child. So this could be you didn't get the love and support that you wanted. And that doesn't mean that there was any large actions of trauma. This is just your interpretation of what you needed when you were two, three, four, five, six years old. So just to just to drop that one in the middle of the podcast. Now, Megan, obviously we got to wrap up here, but we we always want to end on the the big question here, which if you if you thought the other ones were big, this one <laughs> oh is the one. Oh my gosh! Stretch it out. That's right. Get get lubed up for this one. <laughs> now, I can Megan, feel my anxiety building, but okay, we got this. You're ready. Born ready. That's right. You're born ready. What do you want your legacy to be? Hmm. That's a, that's a big question. And it's interesting because <laughs> I talk a lot about, I talk a lot about legacy. And then when you put me on the spot, I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I think that if it were to, uh, if it were to all stop today, I think that the, the legacy of my work and what I would want people to pull from it is that we all have within us the, the capacity and opportunity to live a life on purpose. And that that is the inherent gift uh, we have all been given is the opportunity to step into that self-actualized self and with the work, uh, live a life with, uh, with full intention. And that um, for people listening, know this is the closest you're ever going to come to that permission coming your way. So this is that moment where you're like, I'm pretty sure the universe gave me this podcast at that right moment. However you want to, however you want to move that, um, that we, that we really do all have the permission to create the life we want. Obviously we love that. Now, Megan, for those people out there who are listening and they want to find everything and follow you on your journey also on your podcast and your shows, where can they find you? Yeah, you know, the best place to to follow along uh, the ups and downs of my own leadership journey is is on my Instagram. My handle is uh, Dr. Megan Walker. It's Megan with an H. And uh, and then all the links to our podcast and all the other fun stuff we're up to uh, can all be found on my bio on Instagram. I love it. So we'll drop that in the podcast notes for everybody out there. 
Obviously, for us, if you haven't yet, hit subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project podcast on your favorite podcast platform and share this show with the leaders in your life. And then for all stuff, leadership, coaching, consulting, and all the assessments that we do around talent optimization, psych safety, and more, head over to EliteHighPerformance.com for all of that. Now, Susan, is there anything you want to leave us with today? My cup runneth over. My heart is overflowing. I'm so grateful for this woman sitting here today riffing with us on this show. She's a big reason why we're you and I are sitting here riffing on this show every week. Um, you've been nothing but inspiration on this leadership journey that I've been on. I know that this is a huge part of why I'm able to get on here and spread that ripple effect in terms of helping our leaders play their biggest impact game when the world clearly needs this any more than ever. Um, yeah, this this friendship that you and I have had for over a decade, I just I have to say, has just been such a huge part of my journey as it's been a huge reason why I've been able to self-authorize in all these ways that I have. So I just got to say, thank you. Thank you to you. The feeling is mutual and I have so much gratitude for you. Thank you, Susan. And thanks thanks for having me. No, thanks for for joining us. You're, you're incredible. And obviously for me, I want to end with a, actually it's a poem this time. And it's the Druid Vow of Friendship. And it says, I honor your path. I drink from your well. I bring an unprotected heart to our meeting place. I hold no cherished outcome. I will not negotiate by withholding. And I am not subject to disappointment. And I think where I wanted people to end with today, and it's a lot about giving permission to yourself, is think about that quote and think that you can be the best friend that you've ever had. And with that, Megan, we really appreciate you joining us. Everybody, thank you so much for listening and spending your time with us. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone.